0: Welcome to the Every Thought Matters Podcast, where truly every thought does matter. Join me and my guests to explore how they got to where they are and how their thoughts have changed their lives. So, as you know, click to subscribe, rate, review. That all helps me in growing this podcast to where I want it to be. So, thank you again for joining Every Thought Matters Podcast. Today's episode, I talked to my friend, Felicia Marie. We talk a, a bit about baseball, a trip to Europe, and about a book she's been working on. Listening to how a tourist trip to Memphis became the inspiration to write her book. In talking to her, I felt myself inspired and energized. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay. Well, I'm here right now with Felicia Marie. You know, we're spanning the internet all the way out to California from Texas. Welcome, Felicia.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Well, this is great, because, and it's an odd journey for the both of us, because literally we've only met one time on a rooftop <laughs> yes. bar in L.A., and we've been friends ever since.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. I remember. The yeah, thing of I, the past, that, as that does not happen anymore.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we know that. I, I That's all... In the past, but it because it was mama's shelter, I believe is what the name of it was
1: oh i don't I don't even remember i actually I don't. i try
0: to remember that I'm not sure why, but it, we ended up just everybody else was talking, and we just ended up talking about baseball, your kids and all this <laughs> kind of stuff and I found out you're like the only angels fan I know
1: <laughs> like, no, well i don't I don't really know if I consider myself a total angels fan. I will just say I'm a baseball fan and I don't discriminate really on nice. um, like teams. I would say that.
0: Well, <laughs> I did a little trolling on you and like, you like the Yankees, which I don't know. I'm, I might've <laughs> known that before I hit the record button. I might not have hit the record button.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you talk to my son, he's a Mariners fan. And when everyone, when people ask him, you know, who's your favorite team? And he says Mariners. They're like, Mariners, why? He goes, yeah, you know, I'm, I was born in Seattle, so I love the Mariners. I just like baseball, you know, even if it's like, you know, watching my son play, baseball is just yeah. such a good sport. It really puts me in the best mood.
0: It does for me as well. Like, October is like my favorite month, and with playoff baseball, no matter whether or not my Red Sox are in or not, I don't care. Like, this year, they they were crappy, but I still love the baseball playoffs, even with a sixty game season.
1: Yeah. So
0: it does something for me as well. And I knew we had that in common. And I just thought, I do. I'm the same way. I love baseball. It's I live now in a little tiny town called Rockport, which is right by Corpus Christi. They have a double A affiliate of the Astros. And I just want to go down there and you know, when all this crap is over, I just want to go down there and watch, you know, minor league baseball for crying out loud
1: yeah yeah that sounds lovely
0: it does doesn't it so how are, are things out in california
1: um you know california is um i think i think California is kind of going through its own um <laughs> Yeah. I it's like, how yeah. do you even put into words? Right.
0: I know. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: you know, it's but, divided. I would say that. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, And, uh, you know, I, I go back to with all of this. Just, I don't know what the right word is, but there's a word that the Japanese have. Basically, it's a process where a, if like a base cr- cracks. Mm-hmm. They glue it back together with gold and it becomes something more valuable. And I think that's what we all are going through. And I think that, you know, at least, you know me, I'm such an optimist that I just think that's what's going to happen with all of this. And I'm happy about that. And I know the great city of California will, will get through this because they always do. And Texas will get through it. Everybody will. It's just the growing pains that we're going through right now with this are hard. But and it's funny because, you said it's hard to put words in there yet. That is one of the reasons why I wanted you on my podcast is because you have got a book that's coming. It's not out yet and it's not done yet, but you have been writing a book for how long and tell us about that.
1: Okay. So, um, well, I will, I'll start kind of a little bit from the beginning. So I used to be an actor and um, I was I always kind of love the, um, the idea of storytelling. And um, I had went back to school, right, to get my degree in public relations, and communications, and I'm doing a minor actually in creative writing. And what started off as just kind of like a, a little project for my kids to leave the true story of my grandparents and their journey through World War II. As kind of took me on this roller coaster of emotions, that um, that I've decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and publish this. I'm going to try to. I'm actually going to put it out there. So I started it about three years ago. I actually. Went through boxes and interviewed my whole family about my grandparents' story. They have a great story. They met during World War II. She came over as a war bride, but it wasn't that fairy tale story, and I didn't want it to be lost. So I went to um, Italy and I kind of retraced my grandmother's step. But I mean, I didn't just go to Italy. I went to France. I went to Normandy where D-Day happened. I mean, I went everywhere trying to kind of really get a sense of that time. And I'm really excited about this project. I think as I go on, I get more excited daily because I'm a woman writing a World War II novel. And so that part I really love. Um, And um, so I I went to Italy. It was last winter, obviously, before COVID happened. And I, uh, I flew into Rome and I had to take a train to where my grandmother's from. It's from Lucetta. And... Um, went through the entire town, which I now have friends in my grandmother's village. Like it's a really small place. And um, when I, when I showed up, it was like, oh my gosh, this place was meant a story was meant to be written here. It is absolutely stunning and just gorgeous and beautiful. So I've been working on that for the last couple of years is trying to retrace it. But The reason why it's such a big project is because here you are taking historical facts, your family's true story, plus you're trying to combine all of these things and get the timing right, that it's such a big project that I don't think initially going into it, I knew what I was getting into. And um, it's funny though, I would say that getting started was the hardest part. Now I'm nearly done. With my like manuscript, I've kind of gone through several edits and uh, changed a lot of things. That it's easy now, you know. Um, it's uh, it's been really a really good journey for me.
0: I I love this idea. Then the, I wrote a note to myself because you're a woman writing a World War II novel, which is. Really, really great. I just, and I I want that perspective because that's not generally what we see. But then I, as people for me are mirrors to ourselves and you just mirrored back something that I love about myself because my favorite writer is a lady by the name of Helen McInnes. And she wrote basically Cold War novels that were basically set in Eastern Europe after World War II. And her husband worked for, in real life, worked for MI6, and they then ended up moving to the US. And so she drew upon all of that to write all of these novels. Mm. And she's a woman, female writer. She's passed, she passed like in 1984, I think. But she's largely has the most influence on me in terms of my writing and what kind of stories I like. And what kind of even TV I like. So, but yeah, she was a you know a trailblazer. Started writing in 1948 or 49, something like that. Oh wow! Yeah, and when you talked about Rome, it's like she. I just reread for the second time a book she wrote called North from Rome, and it. You know, her stories are always a fish out of water story. Meaning, and I've had people ask me what that is, and that's basically you're basically kind of like, you're a human, but you're kind of an alien in a a weird spot. And you have to figure out how to navigate that spot to Mm. get to the end of the story. And that's how she writes her spy novels. And that just was always fascinating to me, because it took me, you know, as we both know, we used to be both in the industry, entertainment industry, and we both like to write. And we know, you know, the part of the story is the hero's journey, which is you know, act one, act two, act three, and you know, act one is current, act two is new world, and that's, Fish Out of Water is kind of that new world thing, and I learned from her how to write, and I love the fact that I didn't even know before this podcast that I could tie your writing into that into something that I grew up as a kid, like I was your, your boy's age when I was reading her novels.
1: Wow, you know, it's funny. You just said something too. you know, we like to write here's the thing before this project I did not like really to write (laughs) I would never ever have called myself a writer or aspiring writer or anything in that sense um, it's really funny how life works out because um I will say that as i'm writing like i'll write something like I'll have a really good writing day where I'm writing something and I and I'm like whoa, like who knew I had this in me to to really do and I'm, I mean I've only had like two people have read it so far. I've had beta readers. I'm in the beta reader section right uh, part right now where I'm having people now look at it and tell me their feedback and they're giving me notes and um you know it's they they're shocked that I have not would never have considered myself a writer. Even to this day, when people say, oh, you know, you're a writer or whatever. I'm like, nah, I'm a reader. I like to read. And I just had, a—I have a story that I think worth telling. That's how I kind of put it. Who knows if after this project, if I'll ever write anything again, but I just know that I have to get this one out. And this this one is actually a three book series it's following three different generations. I, um, I have my grandparents story in World War II. The second book is based on my father in, you know, East LA. And he went through um, he was in prison. A lot of, a lot of the times with, you know, C- Cesar Chavez and, and that period of time in the seventies in Los Angeles. So there's a lot of interesting and everything is true that it's, it's, it's almost as if I was meant to write it. Right. And, well, um, yeah,
0: that's great.
1: And then the third book is, um, uh, my story and kind of like my journey through all of that stuff and kind of goes back and obviously ties into my grandmother who had all of these dreams when she came here from Italy.
0: I love that. I love that whole process. And I love the fact that you said that you were meant to write. You're not writing something to be famous. You're writing something because you felt a calling to that. And to me, that ties into my coaching a little bit because I tell people that you you can have a job and you can even have a career, but having a vocation, and I know you're kind of stuck on not being a writer, but having a calling to something is, is a vocation. And this might not be a vocation per se, but it, it was a calling to write this. And then you don't care what happens afterwards. You just know this is what you have to do. And I think I wish more people understood that because I've done a lot of different things. I've been a computer programmer as a career for 25 years, and I've made films. I've made award-winning films, And but I know my calling and my vocation, A, is podcasting which I absolutely love as I talked about before we hit the record button but I also know that I have an ability to connect to people and that's why I'm a life coach because that's my vocation because I have a calling to that I just it's something I love to do I love to connect to people and fracture their stories to help them become better human beings and find joy and happiness in life so it's really cool to hear you say you had the calling to it I think that's to me that leads more to success than just doing something to write something.
1: Right. Well, you know, clarity comes from engagement, not thought as Marie Frolio would say. And when you are, you can sit all day and kind of have this ideology of, of your life and what you think that you are meant to do. But once, until you put the action into practice, you'll never know. Right. So I've, you know, went through, you know, several little career like paths in my life. I, um, I really have never found more grounded than um, I think obviously with writing, what will come of that? Who knows, you know what I mean? But it's just the, the process of going through this that I'm loving because everything that happens will lead you to kind of where you need to go. So you can't have one without like the other. So before I went back to school and I'm, you know, finishing my degree, um, which, you know, is, crazy because my son is like 16. He's almost going to college. And, but I never, you know, I when I got, when I was younger, I just, you know, started working. I didn't want to go to school. And so, um, going back has been obviously a challenge for me, but I'm so glad I did it. But before that, when I had my cannoli business, everything that I've done has led me kind of to this point, had I had tried to write this story maybe 10 years ago or nothing, it would have been, it would have been crap. It w- I wouldn't have been in the mindset that I am now to look at it and be like, okay, what needs to, to be told? And I've just gone through such, um, su- like such length to get this story right, that I- I'm really excited about uh, putting it out there and having people read it and just making sure that it's not
0: lost. I I think that's neat too because I you know, I was talking recently with my mother via text because, you know, with this whole COVID thing, I think about my grandparents and the fact that they were teenagers, barely teenagers. My grandfather was a teenager and my grandmother was in her I think ten years old when the quote unquote Spanish flu happened. So they are they live through that. And I think about their stories and stuff. And they're no longer around. They've they've been long since passed, about 30, almost forty years ago. But I I think you're so special in the fact that you can actually go and talk to them and get those stories out and make sure that they're heard. And I think that's so wonderful as a writer and you didn't choose to be a writer. It, 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 The writer in you chose you, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like when I had first started writing the whole, like I said earlier, you know, the, the whole idea of writing, it was just for my kids. Cause I was putting together a family album and then I was like, Oh, you know what? I'll just self publish because I can do that. Right. Yep, As time absolutely. is gone, it's just kind of like, it's, um, progressed more and more because then what was it a month or two ago i had my beta reader read it she goes no you should try to get you should submit this for a publisher it's it's good enough to do that so that's kind of where i'm at now is as soon as i'm done with my like final editing because before you i'm trying to get in kind of into publishing that's the the career path i'm going when i finish school and it's one thing that i've learned is that you have to get your manuscript the best it could get before you even dare to submit it, and you want to have, um, yeah. you want to have like a clear. You cannot send something that is half-assed. So I think that's nope. kind of where I'm at, as far as uh, the new year. That is my goal: is I'm going to submit it and see what feedback I get, and then go from there. And if nothing becomes of it, then hey, you know, nothing becomes of it. But it's been quite a journey uh, for me. It's just as a mom and my kids will always have it. So that's rewarding in itself.
0: And I think that was, again, that goes back to your calling and just wanting to get it out there. And I'm so glad that you got your trip in before everything happened because just to visualize, you know, Rome and Europe and Italy and – you know, Omaha Beach, which was where D-Day was and whatever. All of that, just to, to circle it all back into a story, into your book, I think is great. I just think that's fantastic that you took the time. And then do you consider yourself a very detail-oriented person?
1: Huh. Um, yes, I I think so. When I really think about it obviously because I I took the initiative not to fake and try to write something I actually went there I went to places in Europe that I really didn't need to go because they weren't like they didn't have anything to do with the book but I wanted to get all the details I can I really wanted to understand the time there was like you know, just uh, when I was driving from Paris to uh, Normandy, there's a lot of villages that in between there are still complete ruins from World War II that they have not um, tried to repair and they left it. There's actually one cathedral that's there that half of the front of it is like ripped off and they never fixed it. They never replaced it. And it was very like, it puts things into perspective. Like Europe is such a magical place in in its own. But when you start to look at the history and things that have really happened there, it's different Mm -hmm. than just watching, you know, Band of Brothers or or a movie and you know, that Hollywood puts out, you actually could feel it, you could feel the, um, the energy in these places. And I had went alone. So I was in Europe for almost about a month. I went from Southern Italy and then I took a train all the way up to Switzerland and then I cut into Paris and went all over um, France. So um, I saw quite a lot and it was just me and my laptop. It was such a good experience for me and such a growth experience when you can be alone and you just kind of have your your thoughts, and you're really being open without distractions to everything else that's going around you. But like magic happens, right? Because you're really immersed in this world. And, uh, Italy was, it was like, when I got there, it was like, as if I arrived home, you know, having never had been there. And it, I can't really describe it to you. Um, It was just a feeling that I had, especially when I went to my grandmother's village, I felt as if I was followed and she was there and it was, I mean, you can kind of just see it for that time. Um, Europe is just a magical place like that. It's one of my (laughs) favorite, I mean, I love, love, love going to Europe. I've been to Europe quite a few times. It was, I've been to Italy in that part of the town only once, but it's, um, I mean stories are just meant to take place there.
0: I love that you think it's magical and I I've never been to Europe it's my bucket list thing and Italy is definitely my bucket list uh, destination for I just I honestly gosh want to go there just to so because I know part of my coaching practice is about energy and vibration and I know there's a de- Europe has a different vibration to it because I can remember, you know, I've never been there, but I remember when I flew to Los Angeles after in 2014, after I lost my job and I was looking for an apartment, I just felt the energy the minute I got off that plane. There's a different energy in LA. It's just, it's very palpable and you can't put words to it. You just know it. And it sounds like Europe has that same kind of, not an L.A. energy, but it has an energy about it that it's like the past is speaking to you through, you know, that church that had part of its front blown off. There's something that it's telling you, and you can't, I'm sorry you can't put words into that, because I don't think you should. I think you just immerse yourself.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That's why I tell my kids, you know, before you get married, before you do all these things, like, you have to, you have to travel because there is something that happens when you travel. Like I'm a huge traveler. I've actually been quite a lot, a few places. And, um, when I come back to LA, I have to tell you, it's quite depressing. As lovely as LA is, LA is all about trying to get 10 steps ahead and who do I need to do this and that there's no, like, um, there's no, there's no sense of empathy from others. Everyone's kind of, you know, (laughs) self-absorbed. Not everyone, but I'm saying the majority of that's how I kind of feel. Like, you know, even on the freeway, everywhere, everybody has a place to go. Where in Europe, you know, you're sitting there and you're having dinner you could be there for three hours or four hours, just enjoying life. You know, you don't yeah. really necessarily need to drive. You can walk. And there's so many things to, to see. Um, when I get back to LA, it's actually quite depressing because you're, you know, you appreciate coffee and the food and all these things when you're, especially when you're in Europe, But um, Mm -hmm. I mean, other countries too, you know, like I love Costa Rica. It's one of my favorite places as well. But, um, you know, you have this, um, this sense of, of, of gratefulness when you kind of come back of like, okay, you know, I've learned something and I've taken something from Europe that you can't Mm -hmm. really put into words. Right. And here's, here it is. I'm a person of words, right? I'm writing a novel, but yet. Right can't put it into words and that's why I tell my children I said you know before you get married young or anything like that you just you know go to school educate yourself but you know you can only be book smart so much like you can only be smart by books so much you have to yep. go out and experience life and cultures and how other people live and art um, and so that's why I think Europe is just I mean, it's such a a magical place. And so many people like going there is for that reason is you get to kind of leave all this behind. And there's a difference. There's the we factor in Europe versus an I factor, like in California, it's all about like people, what, what is, how's this going to work out for me? What, what is this going to do for me versus in Europe? Like, you know, I have a girlfriend who um, lives in Spain. I met her in London when I backpacked there probably about five years ago And she's moved to Switzerland. She's moved all over. And now she lives in Spain. And we were talking about kind of the coronavirus when this all happened. And she was like, wait, what? You can still go to the grocery store and get one item? You can still uh, go through the drive-thru and get a hamburger or whatever? And they can't do that there. There was a lady, her next-door neighbor, who walked too far with her dog outside and was written up for, I think it was like 1,500 euros because mm-hmm. she went across uh, the path of what she was not supposed to do. There's so much like freedom here that people don't realize that they have, but they think that, they're, that they don't. So um, it kind of just puts things into perspective, you know, that Europe is a place where people that they just really think about other people. How is this going to affect us collectively, right? Because it's not just right. me. Like it's not always about me. It's about us. Right.
0: I love that because that's the best way to describe LA and LA has a lot of magic to it. And we both have experienced it, but that we factor is so just wonderful because that's the, in Texas, it's kind of like that. It's not quite Europe, but based on how you describe it, but Texas has that folksy, you know, come onto my porch and have a beer with me kind of thing. So And, but yeah, the I factor is huge in LA and there are very good people. It's just, I'm, you know, speaking from a law of attraction perspective, but we are what we attract. So when I first got to LA, I know I was attracting the I people because that was there for me, you know, and fair enough. And I did get, and you know, I got burned, but whatever, but I learned from it at least. And it makes me more appreciative of my stay here in Texas, which I've, My first stint was 14 years and I doubt I'll ever leave Texas, but I'm fascinated by Europe now because you make me want to travel there because I know I've been itching to get my passport renewed and I know with all of this that's going on, I still want to travel. I still want to go to Europe. I want to go to the Maldives and I felt a sense of culture even when I traveled to the Dominican Republic because I took a bus across the island to go to a catamaran sailing dealio and you, we passed through a tiny little town and they let us stop there. And it really humbled you. And I think Europe with its past history humbles you and makes you realize you're just like the bigger picture of what you see in the world. Because that's why I love beaches at night, because all you could see is the stars and hear the waves and you just realize, you know, where your place in life is and you get, real, I think that's what Europe sounds like what Europe does to people, at least for those of us who don't live there.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I, you know, it's definitely, a you know, a great place not to take away that, that saying that, you know, Los Angeles in America is not great or nothing. I mean, Los Angeles is Agreed. my home, right? So yeah. Los Angeles gives me something different, but mm-hmm. I feel that I'm a better um, uh, a better person, a better neighbor being in Los Angeles because of my experiences with travel, you know, yeah. is i I'm, 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 I'm cultured. I, I can understand. I, you know, even if my neighbor <laughs> is dog is barking all hours of the night, I'm like, okay, you know, like, how do I fix this? So I'm not, it's not always about me, You know what I mean? And now it's right. disrupting me uh, because, you know, usually you know, people down, you know, down the street, they're just yelling, like, shut that dog off, <laughs> you know, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm right. like, you know, what? let's just figure this out. Um, so I just, I, I feel that it, it gives you a sense of patience, right? right? Because you realize right. that life doesn't have to be such a big rush or life doesn't have to be so um so self-centered right because initially especially when you're young you think oh i gotta do this this is all about me and i gotta figure this out and this got to figure it out and whatever and um you you stop and you slow down and you realize yeah you know certain things are important certain things are not important right? right and um I mean, this is why I just love books too, you know, is not even just traveling, but even when you read, you're taken to another place. There's something that you can get out of books that you, you'll never be able to get out of a movie, no matter how hard they try. uh, It'll just never happen. Literature is one of those things that will never be, um, can never be uh, altered or changed. It'll always be there and it'll always be magical. And granted, there are some great movies with great effects and great stories. And it's nice to see sometimes your novels when they're adapted into films come to life. But um, I mean, just reading is just so important. I, I mean, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, you've got to read. And if you don't like to read, you just haven't found the right book.
0: New Year's resolutions are just a moment away, and achieving your goals can be hard. I know. I've been there. As a life coach, I can help. We create your goals together, getting you on a journey to living a more fulfilling and satisfying life. Head over to everythoughtmatters.com to schedule your free consultation and get a jump start on 2021. Well, one thing I wrote down at the beginning of this was just listening to you was, you're a voracious reader, and I knew that about you. Uh, but the best writers are, read the most. They really do. The greatest writers out there read a lot. I've read a lot, and I don't know if I'm a good writer or a great writer or whatever, but I love that for books because, for instance, I just finished a book called The Lost Man. It's a novel uh, by, I think, Jane Harper, and mm. literally it's about it's a family in the middle of the outback, the Australian Outback.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds and, lovely, actually.
0: That, but it's amazing to me because it was just a, the precursor to the book. Uh, she wrote, and she's an Australian writer, and she wrote a book called The Dry, which was largely successful that's going to be made into a movie. And it's about the Australian Outback. But this was just, I don't know if you've ever watched a TV series on Netflix called Bloodline, but it's kind of like that but in the Australian outback Mm -hmm. with all of the precariousness of your nearest neighbor is, you know, so many kilometers away. And I got to use my imagination to visualize that I didn't need a screen. I didn't need actors. I didn't need sets and lighting and all that stuff for me to just immerse myself into that world. And it was, it just, it honestly was hard to put down and it just gave me a sense of perspective of what, Yesterday, and Outback would be like. Yeah. And even in the beginning, in the beginning of the book, there's a little map showing you where they're at and how far everything is.
1: It's like, wow, just, yeah. you
0: know, little sketch. Scat- and that's, I love that though. I love that for books. Cause I've, I read more novels than I do nonfiction, but cause I just like to get out of my head and go into that, that other little world and let, like, like, I'm still remembering North from Rome by Helen McKinnis cuz every time you talk about Europe I think about how she wrote about these long and winding roads in Rome. Yeah. Literally in the yeah. hilltops just the way she described it I just could visualize it and that's what books do for us that movies can never do cuz they cannot spark that imagination and I love it and I'm the best writers are the best readers and yeah. I think that's great.
1: Well, I read about like a book a week, so that's what I'm averaging now. Uh, when I was not in school, I would probably read about three books a week. Uh, I'm a pretty fast reader. I, if it's a good book, I could read it in one, like one sitting. I'll sit and I'll fly through it. If it's oh, yeah. You know, if it's a little you know, too wordy for me, I will finish it. I'm not one of those that ever gives up on a book, ever. But um, it'll, take me, it'll take me a little bit longer. But um, the last several books, I've been actually recently going through um, Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine Book Club list. And um, I have found just really good stuff from there. I read like one or two and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I really like these books. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through the list. So I have a girlfriend and I, we have our own little book club. and <laughs> We meet like once a week and we'll discuss the book and just have this conversation, you know, via Zoom, of course, about yeah. kind of what we're reading and, and our thoughts. And um, the last one we just read was uh, Mexican Gothic, which was actually pretty good which was surprising for me because I usually don't like Catholic, um books, but I had seen it trending and I was like, I have to pick it up. I like to see what i like to know when I look on social media, what other people are reading and what they say about it. And if I see mm-hmm. a book trending more than once, I got to check it out and for myself. Right. Right.
0: Um,
1: but I also like to read things that people don't talk about. And try to find those like because it's like a hidden treasure, right? You right. There's an a reward when you find something that nobody else knows, and you're able to share it. But um, yeah, I really just I love books. I love to read, and I think that has kind of what eventually, um, what has led me to this project three years ago, trying to put this together. And I'm really excited for this next year because I have made it a mission to not be that writer or author that has worked on their novel for 10 or 12 years. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to finish this up. I graduate in May. So I'm like, I want to finish this up, get it out there and move on because I do not want it hanging over my head because there's so many unfinished or unread or un you know projects that people do and I made like one of my goals that is like if I do something I need to complete it because my younger self would start things and be like ah oh, this is a little tough I'm not gonna do that And this is the one project that I've been working on consistently for three years, every single day. There's not a day that goes by that I do not work on the novel, um, that I've never had the inkling to like, stop. Like each time it's like, Oh, I wish I had more time in the day, you know, to, to work on this. Um, but it's the one thing that I've, I've worked on in my life that, has never that has not bored It's I've not been bored with it and I think that's a good sign right is the fact that if I'm not getting bored with it and I'm getting more and more invested in it that's a good thing
0: that's a very good thing actually that just tells me you're on the right path but I also know that you've changed your thoughts around how you do things too so like you're like me like when I was in the entertainment business I would start scripts and not finish them you know, and yeah. you're like, nope, I'm not gonna do that with this. No. I'm gonna finish this thing thing and but it's also it's coming from your heart. You're not writing it for an audience, you're actually you're writing it for yourself.
1: Yes. Your
0: and that makes it personal and that makes you wanna finish it though, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, for sure. And um like, you know, this whole project was never Oh, you know, I'm going to be this writer and I'm going to do this and all that. No, 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 not at all. It was really just kind of like, okay, I was going through my old family photos and I knew the story since I was a little girl. I was infatuated with my grandmother's story. And, um, as weird as it is, okay, I went to Memphis. What's what started is I went to Memphis and I followed, um, I, I went to Elvis's house uh, and I went to um, the civil rights museum of Martin Luther King. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you have not, you have to, it's so well done. It's probably one of the best museums I've ever been in. Um, and I've been in a lot, but, and, and there's just something that this one gives you is the way that they did it. You go through the whole thing. F- Place the museum, and at the end, the last place you stop is where he was shot. It's the actual hotel room, and they left everything in place. Wow! Yeah, it's wow. really—I mean, it's so well done. Like the, and you can see a sense for the time because the uh, the dishes or the um the 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 briefcase sets out. It's for that period, so um. When I was on the plane from Memphis back to LA, I started to really think about life. I'm like, look at these people, right? You have this rock star, you have Elvis Presley, and you have Martin Luther King, completely opposite, right? But they have right. done such big things in their life, right? And I right. asked myself, I said, what am I contributing to society? What do I have that when I'm gone that I want to leave behind? Right, And so I thought, my grandmother and this story, like I feel like I'm, and it's weird as it is, and it's cliche, it wasn't even like a thought, like, oh, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna write this. On the plane, I said, I'm gonna start a novel. I'm gonna start writing this book for uh, for, uh, my kids. And so I'm like, this is the one thing I wanna leave behind. I wanted to leave it behind for them as i started writing it and as i'm like oh you know i think i'm i think i'm actually a little good at this i'm like okay you know i'm going to try to self publish and then when i had the beta readers read it they're like no you should try to do the traditional so that's kind of where i'm at now is like you look at other people's lives and what they did in that short amount of time or you know celebrities or some of the greatest minds and talents of this world right and a lot right. of them have died young but like for what they did in their lifetime, it's like you have to really, one has to ask themselves, what did what did I contribute to society, right? right? What did I give? Did I just take or did I give something? Did I add to this world? And I realized that I don't want to take from this world. I want to give to it, right? I want to give something and it may not move or touch everybody it may not be for everybody but that's not the point the point is is that I on my deathbed I can say yeah you know what I contributed something to society I gave something to this world that will be left behind because in the end we all end up in the same place right right but it's like if you are if you leave something behind what does that do for somebody else who is still like physically on this earth right um so i think that's kind of (laughs) i was on the plane i was coming back from memphis i pull out my phone i pull up my little notes and i start writing out my notes of the things i already know of their story of my grandparents story and um and how they met and how their life was but make no mistake this is not no typical love story right
0: right because
1: we all know especially my older self that's why i said my older self hat can write this because my younger self would have been like oh it's a love story and everything is perfect and it's a happily ever ending but in reality it wasn't when Mm -hmm. you know this was a war they struggled to get married nobody wanted the my grandmother was going to be a nun nobody wanted her to marry my grandfather and leave with some american man oh yeah and the military told them like you know we you're not here we didn't bring you here for a wife there were so many war brides that had came back and the journey of them coming back was so life changing and moving for them right and then once they got here can you imagine my grandmother's from a small village in italy showing up to los angeles like <laughs> like in that time in the 40s not knowing not a word of english only speaking italian right so it's it's really kind of you know a story of like life isn't kind of what you think it's going to be but everything happens you know for a reason or a purpose you're you're driven to do certain things so i was In the plane, I have my notes and I'm just kind of writing down all of the main things I already know that's been passed down. And I kind of like piece them together. And then I think the next week I started interviewing people because I had an uncle who recently passed away um, in uh, January, who was my grandmother's brother that I wanted to hear his story And so I went to everyone's house. I videotaped them. We recorded it. We went through old documents. So I'm piecing together. I try to contact the government to get his military records, but they had that big fire. So they only sent me what they could. Um, And then after I did all that, I kind of outlined it, put it together, started to do kind of like a little bit of a first draft just to kind of get a taste for it. And then um, about six or seven months later after that, I went to uh, Europe and then I went down and I saw the place and the moment I was there, it was like everything came full circle from being in Memphis and Elvis's house and the civil rights to going there. It was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. Like everybody has a story. Everybody has something special. Um, so So yeah. And then ever, you know, I haven't looked back since that trip.
0: That's wonderful. One of the questions I have for you is you're sitting on the, you're on the plane and you're flying back to LA. Did all of a sudden that thought just come to you? You weren't like trying to figure out a way to materialize this. It just came to you. Oh, right.
1: Yes, absolutely. What I said was the question I asked myself was, what do I have to contribute to society? That was what I had. That was the question I asked myself. Not that, oh, I want to be a writer, oh, I want to write a book, or what do I, what do I have? What do I want to leave behind, essentially? Like what do I want to leave my kids? Because I was thinking, I wasn't thinking about life on that plane. I was thinking about death, right? In because they they both died, you know. Elvis died in the non-conventional way. And so did Martin Luther. That was the common thread that I had found in the theme of that trip between the both of them, right? Is that the both the way that they died. So I was not thinking about life or ambition or success. I was thinking about death. And so I'm on the plane and I'm thinking, what do I want to leave behind? And it was not even like, oh, I'm trying to search for something. I'm going to find something. It was more of like my grandmother just popped in my mind. And I was like, I'm going to write this story because I was always, I was always infatuated with it for sure. But, um, it it was kind of just like, it was meant to happen. And, you know, one can't, one can't make someone feel or understand that they have to experience it for themselves. Right. So you're going to go through things in your life where you're like, Hey, you know, Whoa, did that just happen? Like oh that was meant to happen, and I know it sounds very very cliche, but it's just the reality of it. And the older you get, the kind of uh, the more that you realize um, that's just how life is.
0: I it's I'm a big believer in that just because of there's so many things on this, and I. It just does come because the first thing that I, comes to my mind is I don't have kids, so I don't have a, like a story to write to them or whatever. And I've always been fascinated with my heritage and my parents and my grandparents especially. And I don't know much about my father's family at all. I don't even know, you know how old my grandfather was or I know a little bit about my grandmother and I don't have kids to pass my stuff to, but I also think about the same way you thought about on that plane. Was what? What am I going to leave behind? I think about that a lot, and I've just turned fifty-six a couple of weeks ago, and it's that's just at this age that really weighs on your mind. It's like what? You know, I'm closer to a hundred than I am, you know, twenty-five or whatever, and it's just like, wow you think about what you're going to leave behind. And I think about that a lot. And that's obviously why I chose where I'm at, because I know I could probably go and do the entertainment thing, or I could go back to computer programming and be largely unsatisfied and have a nice little retirement and, you know, white house, picket fence, two kids in the backyard or whatever. But I just, I felt like this is what I want to leave behind is talking to people on a podcast, especially because, I can remember during this pandemic I didn't really before the pandemic I didn't really care for podcasts. I, I mocked them. But you always mock what you really want to do, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> At least I did. I was like, oh everybody's got a podcast. I do an Oprah mean, you got a podcast, I got a podcast. And now I know people who don't even know what that is, but what a podcast is. But I mocked it and now this I remember listening to podcasts while working you know at Walmart you know after we closed I would just put on my headphones and listen to a podcast while I work and I had yeah. a moment where I was listening to Joe Rogan interview Miley Cyrus and I said this is what I want to do yeah it was just well, like that energy
1: well it's you know communication is such a big thing I mean coming from the communications major right here
0: <laughs> but yeah true I'm- good point I'm <laughs>
1: but um communication and conversation the reason i feel that the reason my podcasts are so successful is because people tend not to talk anymore we're in this technological world where everything is on social media that we lose kind of sight of that human interaction and conversation is so important because conversation is how one evolves, right? Because you learn, you're, you're talking and you're sharing ideas and you're sharing uh, experiences with one another. So yeah, I mean, I think it's great that you kind of found your calling and it makes sense. It completely makes sense, especially when I met you, you were really, you know, engaging and talking and you like to talk. So yeah, this is great.
0: It's fun. And I've got my bucket list of people I want on and I'm trying to get this going and learning how to talk to people while the, you know, the red light is on is interesting to me. But it's like today, this has been like ridiculously easy, but you are a communications major. So maybe that's why you're making it easy for me. (laughs) Yes.
1: Well, I mean, a communications major and a prior actor, so I'm not shy or timid. It kind of really depends on, I think, who you're interviewing to. Um, And, you know, remember, conversations can't be premeditated, right? You have to see where the conversation develops and where it grows organically without trying to steer it into one direction. So, uh, I mean, I even realized when I was thinking about, it, I was kind of reflecting a little bit on Memphis so much about that trip myself. Like, I'm like, Oh wow. You know, and, um, I got something out today out of something today that I will, you know, carry with me. And I think that I am just so grateful for that because I was, I think it was the first time that I was asked questions and that I really have, i I've been very secretive about this book. I mean, I've kind of shared it a little bit on social media, but to be, to kind of reflect and talk about it is such a different experience. So I am so thankful for it, especially right now in the editing process, it kind of puts things into perspective. So thank you for that.
0: Well, this this will help you get the rust out. Cause I had a a long, uh, what uh, call with a friend of mine, who's a former pro, volleyball player and I'm going to have her on my podcast probably next year sometime. And she's like, yeah, that'd be great to have you, you know, be on your podcast. And I could get the rust out on, you know, a little bit and and help her the deal with some of the marketing things of the next, her next project. And I'm trying to do that for a lot of other people just I'm here to help promote you, but also help understand you because the more I understand you and your thought process, it helps me understand and reflect back to me. Like, I didn't know before talking to you that, like, you know, we had that common thing in common being, you know, I love my first favorite writer of all time is a female writer who wrote post-World War II novels. And boom, (laughs) what are you doing? Hello? I didn't didn't connect those dots at all. And I knew a little bit of the backstory of the book because we had talked about it on occasion. And I'm really yeah. proud of you for pushing through this. And you're going to graduate in May. But yes. The other question I wanted to have for you is it's a totally off the beaten path, but you're still doing the cannoli business, right?
1: Um, well, not really. I mean, COVID shut me down um, in March. We did. So I have contracts with uh, the Greek theater and um, Dignity Sports Park. And I think we did like maybe one or two soccer games. The Greek hadn't even started and they shut us down. And what started was going to be a month off and then two months off to now we were shut down all year. And so I kind of already knew that, Hey, I was going to get my degree. I wanted to do something else anyways. Um, Right. I I wasn't going to do the cannolis forever. And this kind of just pushed it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like pushed it further than what I, what I, um, than what I hoped for, like, as far as saying goodbye, wow. you know? And so, uh, I have not done anything really all, all year besides the ones in the beginning of the year and who knows right. what will happen in the beginning of next year. It's technically the season of soccer will start like in like February, March, but, in reality is the stadiums are going to be the last thing that open. And if they do open, I think they said that they would only have like 25% capacity, which doesn't right. yep. do very much for us in the food industry. And no. having said that, you're going to have to wear a mask and who's going to want to eat at that time.
0: And Right. I know.
1: So like I would eat before or after or whatever. So right, I think sure. that so, you know, it's kind of, You know, as sad as it is, because that was the business that I started with like $70 in my pocket after my divorce. And then I ended up being in multi million dollar stadiums. And so it has gotten me through a lot of things. It has gotten me, you know, through college. And it has definitely helped me as an entrepreneur and being like a businesswoman and driving a trailer. Um, but um yeah, I think that that's that chapter in my life is completed and I am moving on.
0: Well cool. Is there anything else you want to talk about or you wanna just wrap this up? Because I know you're busy and my dog is itching to go out. So
1: Oh yeah, really no, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on
0: you want to tell people where they can find you or oh, on yes. social media? Like I, I know you from Instagram and I know written by a woman is your Instagram handle. For some reason, I know that off the top of my head. Don't
1: <laughs> yeah. Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. Great. I'm really not on Facebook or anything else. And it's at written by a woman. And yeah. I am believe Marie. So thank you that so much.
0: Awesome. No, I'm glad to help you talk about this process and this book. I'm excited about it. I cannot wait, and I cannot wait to buy the book, to be honest Aww,
1: with you. Aw, you're so sweet. I can't so, wait to get your opinion.
0: <laughs> there you go. That'll be uh, very fun, and I love that kind of – That's my, and like I said, that's my favorite genre, so that's going to be awesome for me. So, again, <laughs> thank you so much for being on my podcast, and I'll let you know when we actually, I get it recorded, and I'll, it was recorded, but I'll let you know when it's published.
1: All right. Thank you. Have a good day.
0: You have a great day. Thank you so much.
1: Bye-bye.